Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This podcast is called Terrifying Questions and How Not to Be Terrified by Them. Uh, and it is a philosophy and comedy podcast. Um, I'm Eric Kaplan. I'm a philosopher and also a writer in Hollywood. And I'm Taylor Carmen. I'm a philosophy professor at Barnard College, Columbia University in New York City. And I work on European philosophy, mostly of the 20th century. And we're really happy, uh, Taylor and I are, because Kevin Sussman is joining us. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Kevin is an actor, um, and he's been in things that you know and like, but because he's on strike, <laughs> he cannot promote them. <laughs> and what question are we going to discuss today what, that terrifies us? Our terrifying question today is, are we always acting? Are we always acting? Maybe it should be, are we always just acting? Are we always just acting? What is the difference? Well, every time I do something, in a way, I'm acting. But there's another sense of acting when I'm merely acting. Oh, yeah. Well, here's, here's something that's, we need to yeah. we need to do a philosophy <laughs> thing right off. There's two senses of acting. Yeah. There's acting as in uh, he was acting versus he was having an involuntary muscle contraction. That's not <laughs> what we're talking about. We're talking about acting in the sense of performing on a stage. Right. You know, I would say that the best performing is getting yourself into a place where your physiological being is, your subconscious is leading you to act yeah. in a way. Huh. Real actions, real actions. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a puzzle to me. Like, like if the I, because in a sense, if everybody is acting, you know, there's this book, uh, The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. And if everybody is acting even when they say i love you they're just acting like that makes you think that everybody is insincere because kevin i've seen you say i don't know if exactly the line was i love you but you have said things that you didn't really feel because that was your job is that fair like supposing i'm i've written a show where uh you fall in love with a character and that character i mean you're married and i bring in a woman who's an actress and you say i love you you don't really love her, right? Or do you? In the scene. <laughs> no, love is a nebulous concept. Uh -huh. So this is a, like, uh -huh. I feel like there could be a better example. Okay, come up with but, a better example. <laughs> how about, well, how about a script in which you say, I'm going to kill you, or, um, or I stole the money, or something like that. I mean, you didn't, well, you know, I, the, I mean, you know the, yeah. the, in response to the initial question, are we just acting? Yeah. My answer is yes we are just acting oh. and i think that people get confused because sometimes when we're just acting our emotional life is triggered in a way where people who are watching you um you you spark something in in their own emotional life and then it seems real yeah interesting there's some philosophers even who say, well, there's just this sharp distinction between performing a real action and then doing what people do on stage, which is like pretending to do an action. So there's just real life and then there's pretending. And I agree with part of what you're saying, I think, Kevin, which is that that line is not quite so sharp because there's a lot of real stuff going on. For example, when an actor uh, sits down in a chair in a play, the character is sitting down, but the actor is also sitting down. So it's the very same thing that the actor is doing that the character is doing. And yet there's other ways in which these things come apart. But I think it's very complex. I don't think it's just we've got two things and one is real acting and then the other is just acting. It's complicated. It's complicated. But I also feel it's a little bit simple, too, because 
if you say in a play to me, let's say we're doing a play. I'm going to write a very short play. And the play is called Kevin Promises to Give Eric $1,000. Could you do that line now? <laughs> Your line is, I'm going to give you $1,000. Here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, you cannot remove the context of the action. So if you and I weren't doing a podcast where you just told me to say that, <laughs> and I said, Eric, I'm going to give you $1,000 out of the blue with no context, you might think that I mean that. And I, we both know that I don't mean that. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I'm going to do a short play. This podcast is going to take a break and we're going to do a play. It's a video play. And, and, and I hope this doesn't count as violating uh, the SAG rules. But, but the play is, <laughs> it's got two characters, Kevin and Eric, fade in, Kevin... I'm going to give you $1,000. Fade out. <laughs> could you perform that play now? Do you need to know yeah, more? Yes. Okay. Yes, I could. Okay, because let, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It? How, there's no way to deliver that line uh, incorrectly. Could you deliver it now? <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I am going to give you $1,000. Great. <laughs> okay. It, so, it's a, like taken out of context. It really has no meaning. But I would say uh -huh. it's not like acting you did, is not acting is not like a thing where like I cast a magic spell <laughs> on you that makes you believe I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. Right. So what's See the how difference? Complicated it is. What's yeah. the difference between an actual sincere promise of a thousand dollars and what you just did? The context. The context. Uh, but it, there is a difference, but it's not the difference between being on stage and not being on stage. Because I'm just sort of thinking how complicated. You tried to make it very simple, Eric, and I think I you're onto to. something. But, but even when you try and make it very simple, all kinds of things occur to me. Like if the two of you had been having lunch just now and Kevin said out of the blue, Eric, I'm going to give you $1,000, you wouldn't just automatically think he meant it or that right. it was serious or that it committed him to giving you $1,000 or anything. You might think, right. even what if are you I, doing? E even if I... You yeah. know, a lot of confusion about this question of are we all just acting and are actors yeah. liars? <laughs> right, um, yeah. Which, by the way, I think it's the opposite of that. I think the best actors are great actors because they're not lying. In fact, they shouldn't call it acting. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah acting word, is but... misleading. Acting is what you say about an actor where they're not doing the thing well. You say like they look acting. like yeah. they're acting. And exactly what right. that usually yeah. that is, is a performer who is indicating an emotion. Eric and I were actually just talking yeah. about this before the, the podcast started. And I knew yeah. this was going to come good. up. But yeah. when, when an audience sees an actor who is trying to make you think that they're feeling a thing is when it looks like they're acting. Yep, you can see it, well, and you can notice it. Yeah. So I, I have a question, and, and I'm kind of wrestling with this because I want to be a sincere person, and, and I like art, and so I'm confused. Um, the job of counterfeiter, you would say the job of counterfeiter, you're a bad counterfeiter if someone says that's a good counterfeit 20. If you walk into a, <laughs> a, a restaurant with a $20 bill and the waiter says that's a good counterfeit 20, you're a bad counterfeiter. But if you walk uh -huh. into the restaurant and, and he gives you two real 10s, you're a good counterfeiter. Mm -hmm. So, good so it seems to me that um, just because it's a sign of bad acting that it's recognized as acting doesn't mean 
that acting might not be different from real life. It might be imitating real life to the point that no one notices. But you think that's wrong. I just want to, I, I might think it's wrong too. I just want to figure well, out. I think I want to figure sure out what the, what's I'm going on. I'm not even sure if I, I'm responding to what you just said. I'm not sure mis either. Misunderstanding the question, but I do think that we are all just acting, and that is the. This is why when you asked yeah. me to do this podcast, yeah. I was like, we must touch on AI. Okay. Yeah. Because I think an innate human quality that we have, the reason why we're the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. is because we interact with one another in a way where like we have this ability to just act because it yeah. otherwise it would be chaos. Yeah. You know, going back to the thing about the I love you script, what's right about that? It sounds like hyperbolic to say every time two lovers say I love you, they're reading from a script. But the truth in it is that they learn to say that. Mm-hmm. They learn those words. They memorize their lines. They recognize the situation in which it was appropriate to say it. And there is a kind of artificiality. I mean, like no other animal will do that. So we know how to take up scripts and learn appropriate intonation and sort of master the rules of the game, just like you do when you memorize a script and perform. So there's an element of performance. In fact, I mean, these kinds of speech acts are called, um, some of them are performatives, where you're accomplishing something by saying something like, I quit, or I now pronounce you man and wife, or you've done something by saying something. We managed to do that. And I think there's like three or four or more different distinctions that get blurred together when we try to distinguish, as it were, again, real actions from just acting. Because there's, like you mentioned a little bit before, Eric, performing. Now, performing and not performing is a different distinction, because when a singer is singing a song, is that person performing? Well, yes, but are they acting? They're, the emotion is real, the intonation is what it should be, it takes practice, it's artful, and that's not the same as what an actor is doing. Opera is a very fascinating combination of these things. I heard an interesting quote from Harry Belafonte, uh-huh. where he uh-huh. said, I'm not a very good singer. What I am is the world's best actor, and the proof of that is I've convinced you that I'm a good singer. That's very interesting. Yeah. And sometimes you see um, singers performing parts of operas where they're standing in front of the orchestra, and they will do a little bit of gesturing and getting into the character a little bit. Now, at what point are they acting? I mean, it's part of a performance. And now, on the other hand, are we all constantly performing? In a way, yes, by being civilized. We're sort of engaging in sort of performative behaviors. Hey, I don't want to forget... It's complicated. I don't want to forget yeah. gender as a performance, cause, but I want to get into that yet because I still want to get a kind of a grip on this, which is... Yeah. If you, if, you say, if you say to a woman you're genuinely attracted to, I'm attracted to you, versus you're in a play and you, you're saying that to a woman you're not genuinely attracted to... I'm attracted to you. How is it different, if it's different? Ideally, if you're performing and saying, I'm attracted to you, what you're doing is the same. You are trying to make the other actor think that you are attracted to them. Good acting, again, is not acting. It is figuring out what the character is doing in the most simple way possible so that then you can do that thing and you don't have to worry about how the words are coming out. A thing that an actor can do is try to get another person to think that you're attracted to them, which is the same thing as in real life. Okay, so 
this is interesting because here's here's the thing which I think you both are saying is wrong, and maybe it is wrong, and maybe I need to drop this. So I was thinking, when I am sad, tears just come flowing out of me naturally. Yeah. And then when I say I'm sad, it's kind of like that. It's just the tears are flowing out of me naturally, and now they're expressing themselves using words. And you both think that's wrong? Is that right? Think it's wrong to say? No, that, that, that my theory. In other words, I'm not trying to do something. When I cry, I'm not trying to do something. It's something within me that something deep inside cannot be denied. Smoke gets in my eyes. Like something is, is <laughs> ex getting expressed within me, and I'm not trying to do anything. And if it does cause the person I'm with to like yeah. give me a tissue, great. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not trying to get them to give me a tissue. I'm expressing the pain within me. But you think that that theory is wrong, I think, right? No. You don't? No. No, I think that's. I think there's something right about that. You know what? Maybe it's time to take our first little break. Let's do it. I think we're at that point. We'll take a little break and come right back to this. Okay. Okay, we're back from our little break, and let me suggest this. I See, I think there is something right about what you were suggesting, Eric, and I think you were really good on the counterfeit point, because let me draw a distinction between a counterfeit or a forgery of a painting. That's when you're really trying to trick somebody to think it's the original. There's a difference between that and trompe l'oeil paintings, which from a distance might trick you, but it was never the point of trompe l'oeil as a technique in painting to fool the viewer into not realizing that they were seeing a painting. That was not the point of it. The point of it was like acting, where you see it, you know it's not the real thing, and you go, wow, that's just like the real thing. But it's not just like the real thing in the same way in which a forgery is just like the real thing, where you literally don't see that there's any difference. So I think acting is a little bit like trompe l'oeil. And the reason that you can recognize bad acting is because you see it as failing to do what it's trying to do artfully or artificially. But with the good acting, you see it as acting, but you see it somehow as good acting. So good acting is not just disappearing into being a deception. It's not the same thing. One thing that I wonder, I don't know, but when you are moved by a performance... Yeah. Even though you know the actor memorized the script and you know it's right. not real, the thing that they are bringing to the performance outside yes, right. of the, you know, the lines that you know are not uh, spontaneous, the, the thing that they do bring that has that feeling of spontaneity is right. genuine spontaneity. That's and right. that thing inside the fiction the truth that you are endowing the words with is real and that's right. what we recognize and when you see acting that is bad or when something seems actory it's because the actor i'm gonna actually i'm yeah. gonna back up and leave it okay. at you know we are responding to something that is real within the imaginary circumstances like exactly the actor right. is yeah. really offering whatever that thing is that that spontaneity that like emotional life oh i guess what i was going to say is 
it starts getting actory when the actor is in a way trying to show you the emotional yeah. life rather than because that's not a thing that people do in real life. Your your emotions yeah. uh, manifest out of what it is that you're trying to do. And even if you're by yourself and you start crying and you're having this real emotional moment, it's because you are still doing something. You're trying to work out, you know, your feelings or whatever it is that is upsetting you. You're trying to understand. You're trying to make the pain stop. You're trying to, you know, there, there, it, there's always some kind of action behind it. That's right. And when you see actory acting, what you see is the effort. A certain kind of, the artificiality is the effort that immediately belies it. But notice that when you look at a really great portrait, you see that same kind of reality. You see something moves you. And the way the person is looking in the painting, you see emotion, you see character. It's really quite extraordinary. But no way do you mistake the painting for a real person, right? It's not doing what a kind of mere illusion would be doing, which is to think that you're looking at a person. You see it's a painting, but you can see that same spark of real human presence in the painting. Um, and a bad painting will be similarly, you see the effort of drawing something, as it were. Whereas the real great portrait, even though, of course, it took great effort, it looks natural. It looks like it's just there and it's a real person. So I actually think it, there's a reason acting is a real art. I think the fact that it's an art is very important. Oh, there's so many yeah. things I want to ask. But one thing I did want to ask is, do you think actors have the skills that would make them successful at let's just say, giving political speeches. Uh, yeah, yeah, Because it occurs to me we elected a guy recently who's basically a television actor and sort of an insult comic, and he seems to be very good at giving speeches. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know what? We're, I need to reset the Zoom. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I have so um, many questions. Like, I, I feel like I, I don't have the right order to put them in, but I'm just going to ask them. Okay. okay. So Kevin, but uh, uh, but the, my answer is yes, and I will expand on that after the break. Okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, we're back. Uh, that was a good break. And unlike many of our breaks, which are fake, that was a real break. Um, so we actually are back. Um, we're not just acting. We're not just acting as if we were back. We're back. <laughs> um, but um, Politicians. Yeah, well, I was. the funny thing is you wouldn't necessarily know it if I had just lied, I don't think. Although you should trust me because I don't do that kind of thing. But, but it occurs to me that if you're good at acting, you could trick people like for example you could become a demagogue you could be a politician who says he's really worried about abortion when really he isn't uh is that true does an act does a skill at acting help you trick people into thinking you care about issues that you don't and therefore be a successful politician and become elected president of the most powerful nation this world has ever seen I I think so and you look at the like our past several presidents and the one thing that they all have in common is that there's something about them that seems genuine. Whether or not you think Trump is lying, 
There's a gen, you can't, whether you're Democrat or Republican, it's undeniable there is a genuine quality. Even if you think he's lying, his countenance has a genuine quality to it. And I would say that all good politicians are good actors in that way. And I don't mean necessarily because they're lying. I just mean that they have an ability to express themselves in a way that comes off uh, as being genuine. Yeah. But what yeah. does that mean? And by the way, one thing that had occurred to me and, and was like, there's the actory actor and there's the exact parallel of the overwriting writer. There's the oh. overwriting writer who writes yeah. a line that he thinks is what people would say if they were sad, but it is. <laughs> it's artless. It's artless in the same way. Yeah, it's the, you can see the effort, but you haven't reached this, but here's, interestingly, artificial naturalness, is what you might call it. But here, I'm, I'm, I have to say, guys, I'm just getting more and more confused, because I do think that, like, like take the dog. You step on the dog's foot by mistake, and it'll howl. And there's no performance there, is there? Right, no. Or is there? I don't think so. The dog howling is, it's communicating with you. Get off of my foot. So it does have a goal, and maybe it's just but it's, biologically see, wired into its brain that there's certain communications that just come automatically. You know, Wittgenstein said dogs can't pretend to be happy. I mean, I, I think human beings have all kinds of things that dogs and cats don't, which is not, but not just one thing. But one is to pretend, another is to lie. But another is to say anything. I mean, you know, I mean, so there's a whole kind of range of things human beings can do which make it possible for some things to be performances, some things are deceptions, some things are irony, some things are... But And there's even two ways, at least two ways, to deceive someone. One is by being a really good actor. You can imagine somebody who's really got skills at creating an illusion of sincerity. And then you've got people who are so banal and flat and effectless that you can't tell whether they're telling the truth or not, and that makes it easy for them to deceive people. But those people wouldn't be very good on stage. They don't have any skills. They just know how to conceal what they're thinking. So again, I think there's multiple things going so on. What on earth is going on? Why is it that <laughs> a liar like Trump can get a response from us that this man is genuine? What's going on there? That's a great question. I think he believes a lot of what he's saying. He either believes it or he doesn't give a damn whether it's true or false. That helps a lot in lying. I think if you really lack any concern about what's true or not, because that'll trip you up. So having too much of a conscience is going to get in the way of being really dishonest. So this, the sainted Hillary Clinton said things that I believe she believed, like that yeah. she cared about people and seemed like she, she was lying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the yeah. dastardly Trump said things that we know he doesn't believe and seems like he's telling the truth. So what is going on, yeah. man? I, you know, I don't know. This one's I, a toughie. I, I mean, lying, you know, Marlon Brando used to say that we're all lying all the time. And he also used to say that the only TV show he could bear to watch was Candid Camera because oh, really? it was the only show where people who were being tricked or whatever were acting in a genuine way, which we live yeah. in a world now with reality television where people in general are so savvy to yeah. that faux reality. They that, figured out a way to make it so there is now no show that Marlon Brando, were he alive, could stand <laughs> yeah. to watch. This is the one thing that he liked was taken from him. Uh, and that's why he ended it all, by yeah. means of ice cream. 
Yeah, but I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know why Hillary Clinton, and the thing is, when you watch Hillary Clinton post losing to Donald Trump in elections where it's like there was nothing at stake anymore for her, she seemed like a completely different person. Yeah. And she seemed in those post-election interviews so much more authentic and genuine Mm -hmm. And everybody that was a Clinton supporter was like, why weren't you doing that? And it's probably for the same reason that, you know, actors get screwed up when they're over-directed, is that you start trying to indicate, you know, you put a barrier between your authentic self. Well, let's let's give the audience an example. One of the things I like about having you on is that we don't necessarily need to just talk about it. We could actually do it. Do you want to do you want to try a um because i want you to do it good and then i want to over direct you and then have you do it bad and then figure <laughs> figure out what happened the first um, part might be hard um i don't believe it's, so it which is would, a it is there's rather... a huge difference between talking about it and doing it <laughs> you uh, I, I have shakespeare uh david mamet and chekhov pick mamet okay pick something that you want to do you know this play do you want to do the one about steak knives no. No. <laughs> How come? Because it's so iconic. It's too iconic, that right. I wouldn't be able to get Alec Baldwin's performance out of my head. Right, and right. And then I would be working towards a result. Oh, so maybe maybe that's part of the problem with Hillary. She couldn't get Bill's performance out of her head. Possibly. She was married to one of the best political performers of mm. in American history. <laughs> well, one thing I'll say about modern politics and Trump... Trump, here's a Trump, here's a thing that Trump does better than most modern politicians, okay? Is he doesn't do this when he's talking with his thumb. (laughs) There was a period of time where every politician, there was some focus group that... There was, was, yeah, there was some focus group that said you shouldn't point because that makes people feel like you're being aggressive or or whatever accusatory and so now whenever i see and i i Ah. feel i wonder if just like (laughs) the mass populace like just intuitively knows that when a politician is doing this they're full of shit because nobody (laughs) does this when was the last time you were in a conversation in real life and someone was (laughs) if you're listening to this audio podcast i'm pointing with my thumb and not my yeah. index. Finger. I guess an interesting an interesting thing, I feel like the clouds are parting a little bit. And I think one of the things that makes Trump good at his, I mean, he's bad, but, you know, good at his job <laughs> um, is when he's saying something about how much he hates somebody, he's yeah. doing a good performance. Because one of the things you do when you say you hate someone is you might say, we're going to do something pretty nice for Taylor because we really like Taylor. We like him so much. We're going to send him to Guantanamo Bay and pull out his toenails. Like, like that's the that's a good performance of someone who is a genuine sadist, exulting in tormenting his enemies. Mm. Um, so he and it's a dangerous thing. Obviously, it's a terrible thing. But he owns his sadism, and the sadistic voters are like, "Yeah, <laughs> I dig it." While while a lot of good politicians, they've been taught. You don't glory in humiliating yeah. your opponents. Yeah. So they come across yeah. as very fake. What helps Trump is that he's shameless. Right. And therefore, the actual anger and the aggression is naked and visible. And this, I think, goes back to what Kevin was saying. There's something genuine about his anger 
and his contempt. It sort of comes out, and he can put on the performance, but it's there. Because anybody else with a conscience, you'd see a little hesitation, a little backing off, a little sort of qualifying. And he's just out there straight because he's a psychopath. It's a difference between a psychopath who can be deceptive and uh, trick you and a really artful actor who can trick you. They're doing completely different things, I think. Um, but it does... you can call these all performances, but yeah. they're performances of a completely different kind. I think. I, I, I think the psychopath thing might muddy the waters a little more than it clears them. Because I think, I think there might be people who are like, for my political ends to be achieved, I want a guy who's a remorseless killer. And this guy is that. And to some extent, he might even be thinking, for my... Uh, my ends, which might be avoiding Deutsche Bank reclaiming all my <laughs> all, all my yeah. possessions and being bankrupt, I must play the part of a remorseless killer. So when we think about the psychopath, I think it's a sort of strange notion of like a great white shark in a business suit that it doesn't have any knowledge of what's wrong. Oh. But he does. I oh. think he's just performing the heel wrestler. Because he figured out what America wants is is a heel wrestler. Oh, but that doesn't mean you're not a psychopath. I, there's okay. lots of different ways to be a psychopath. I mean, there's the shark psychopaths who are boring, banal, uninteresting, uncharismatic, and they kill people. And then there's the psychopath who also happens to be a narcissist and kind of wants to be in show business and can put on a performance. Psychopathy is just one dimension of a whole person's character. Right. The thing about all these psychological categories is they're not like species differences where if you're a giraffe, you can't be a duck. You can be a psychopath and a narcissist and bipolar. The, yeah. the, I just want to interject with an yeah. acting thing here. Yes, please. And why <laughs> and why it frustrates me when I say pe see people playing the villain and it frustrates me why I never get a chance to play the villain. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the beginning of the podcast where we were talking about context. Because, for example, in Beth Henley's play, uh, Crimes of the Heart, uh, there's a scene in which the main character goes and uh, the cops are questioning her. And, and she's asking her, you know, what happened? She's telling them about, you know, going and making lemonade. And she sat down, she had a glass of lemonade. And she says it in a, the act, well-directed, the actress says this in a way that is, you know, totally normal. Except contextually, this is what she did right after she murdered somebody. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that, the reason why Trump seems like a psychopath to, to people that uh, think, th that's, the, it's the context. People that think or are certain that he's lying. See him as a psychopath. Yeah, if you yeah. don't think he's lying, he just seems like a normal guy you want to have a beer with. Passionate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and that, I think it's that he knows how, he knows that if he can connect uh, and, and really, um, you know, spark his own passion, or another way to say that is his own imagination, yeah. then he will be believed and and it's something that that's something that like he's able to do and hillary clinton you know i believe like hillary clinton just wanted health care for children but she was not an effective communicator because she was doing this yeah. <laughs> the yeah if she got out there and said i fucking want health care for children if you don't vote for me, you should go fuck yourselves because you're letting your own children die. Goodbye. Would the, that have worked? This, yes, because that is why the person that came closest to beating Trump 
was Bernie Sanders. Uh huh. Bernie yeah. Sanders towards the end of that campaign was going up and up and up. And why? Because Bernie Sanders seems genuine. Yeah. He. It's amazing how close he came to being president when he's the one literal socialist. <laughs> But you know, the other thing that I think Trump benefits by or knows how to exploit is that people are projecting their own emotions onto him. So they see their own anger in him. And in a way that blinds them to the artifice of it, the artificiality. But he's also really angry. I know sometimes he isn't. Sometimes see, here's the uh-huh. thing: he's he's got a huge amount of anger and aggression. He's a dangerous person. But sometimes when he's giving a speech, I'm sure he's tired. And what I'm reminded of is this fact about puppets. The reason some puppets can seem so expressive is because they have very blank faces. And the same puppet with the same face can look sad or happy or all kinds of emotions, partly because of the context and the movement of the body, but also because, again, when you say you say context, if there's sad music playing and the person is holding a dead child. The, the face looks sad, even though it's exactly the same mask that was on it when it was dancing and looking happy. So there's a huge amount of projection and empathy that allows you to see expression in a face, even when it's sort of not there, literally, optically. Well, how come Hillary Clinton couldn't use that ability to get elected? You have to be really good at it. At <laughs> being she, blind. She was, she was doing the yeah. thumb thing. And actually, Trump does... <laughs> Too Tr- much thumb. Tr- <laughs> Tr- Trump does... Yeah, I think actually Trump is a really good actor in the right circumstances. I don't think you could put him in a movie yeah. and give him a script right. and he would be as believable. But... I don't think he killed it in Home Alone 2. Wasn't that the one he was in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because he was out, you know, he was didn't know. So we get into why it's, it's different. To, and this is also why Trump, actually, when he's on script, when he's reading a speech... He's much less convincing. And that's those are the only times where he yeah. seems like he doesn't mean it. And and there and more more so than times when he'll get up and you know he is tired you can tell he's tired and he's like the socialist democrats yeah. are destroying the country. <laughs> exactly. And and like he's not yeah. filled with rage and vigor. He's... What he does is <laughs> he he it's more about, you know, I mean, to, you know, another quality that great actors have that I wish I had more is just like unbelievable uh, a combo, a cocktail of confidence and relaxation. Hmm. Yeah, and Trump yeah. has that in spades. If I had the confidence and ability to be relaxed under intense, you know, scrutiny, I would have an Academy Award. I believe right it. Now. It's interesting. That's so, really interesting. So what I'm confused about is what makes us too nervous to perform both on stage and in real life? Why are we afraid to be ourselves, Kevin? And then why are we afraid to be um, Macbeth or whatever? <laughs> These are such hard questions, Eric. Yeah. Uh... Let me... Can I say something? There's, a, there's another sort of distinction I want to sort of okay. introduce, which is, I think, a real distinction. And I think it goes to what you were just saying about relaxation. Because there's obviously a difference between a real smile and a fake smile. You know, when people smile for the camera and it start, goes, time goes too long and they have to keep it up and they go, do this like this. Yeah, it looks bad. And I read a thing in The New Yorker years ago about somebody who was really good at recognizing facial expressions and sincerity. And I think he was a detective. He could tell when people were lying or telling the truth. But they were pointing out, and he knows this apparently, there's really different muscles in the face that are working when you are laughing and smiling because you think something's funny and when you're trying to smile and laugh 
And I think there's a way of faking a smile that can be pretty believable, even if it's kind of technically fake or voluntary rather than involuntary. But when somebody's really involuntarily laughing or smiling, it's got a different quality. It's, again, it's just really obviously genuine. And I think we are very good at spotting that distinction, that difference. And I think there's a whole bunch of different things the brain and the muscles are doing when there's really unreflective, relaxed, immediate action and when somebody has to make a deliberate effort to do it like put on a smile or act happy or something like that so i think we're really we're really sharp and this is probably an evolutionary advantage when you can really tell when somebody's sincere and authentic or when they're kind of faking it and i i think this kind of these different things are going on throughout daily life because people have to fake smile all the time when they meet somebody oh hi nice to meet absolutely. you absolutely know? and even if you are not trained in you know recognizing facial muscles or the sound sounds that people make you i do think that people intuitively know yeah even if you don't like when someone is like oh this is so fun and you they'll flick their you know their their look to the side or something because yeah. they can't fully maintain that eye contact it's that it's that thing yeah. that is the thing that uh, I think that like Trump never worries about or thinks about right, it. right. And, and maybe yeah. when you say that's what a psychopath is, it's you know, <laughs> um, like me, I'm I'm terrible. I'm I'm not a good liar. And and yeah. when I am a bad actor, it's because I think that I'm not being truthful enough. Not because I think I'm not yeah. acting enough. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, that's and, right. And, 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 and the only way for me, and I think this is a good note for actors in, in general, to not get your own, like, am I being real enough? To get that out of the way, and this is probably good for public speaking, is to put your folk... It's, it, this is so cliche in the acting world. Every acting teacher mm -hmm. says this, but it's so true. And it's, and it's great for public speaking because I think it's the same principle is... Put your attention not on yourself and not uh, how you're doing. Put your attention on the other person or, right, or right. people. And the way that you do that is by knowing what it is that you want from that person and then try to get that thing. Because if you're doing that, then it's impossible for your attention to be on yourself. Yeah, and that's what actually in most ordinary experience is totally outward directed. You're unselfconscious. You're sort of like Merleau-Ponty says, your body is trailing behind you like a tail of a comet because what you're focused on is the thing you're after or the thing you're trying to do. And again, when people laugh genuinely, you know, they don't know how they sound. Have you ever, you know, when you hear yourself laugh or you hear a recording of yourself laugh, you might go, "Oh my god, is that what I sound like when I laugh?" cuz you're so in the funny thing. That you're, of course, you're not even literally hearing how you sound when you laugh, when you're really laughing. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that so, we're, we're yeah. sitting in front of the sign that says stay present. <laughs> and when, and staying present, yeah. another way to say that is to, you know, yeah. put your attention outward. So, yeah. Yeah. so we were talking about directing before this started. And like you're saying, I really want to buy those meatballs. And then if I say to you, when you said that, could you hit the word meatballs harder? Because I think in my mind that's the funny word. That's a terrible direction, right? Because now instead of trying to buy those meatballs, you're using part of your mind to judge how loud the words are relative to the other words. Mm. Mm. Comedy is such a, a, a 
complicated thing. Generally, I would say that that's a terrible you, direction. If, if, that that sucks. That's an awful thing to say to an actor, and I well, should never do it. The thing is, as a director, I would try to get them to, if you know that putting the, oh, I want to talk about the thing that I'm on, but I'm on strike. Um, <laughs> the, as a director, you would want to be able to give them a direction so they would hit that word in a way that is motivated, uh -huh. in, a, in a way that is not just telling them about the cadence but and that's always this is in comedy on on a TV show that I was on, yeah yeah we used to yeah. talk about this all the time is getting that balance between the spontaneity mm -hmm. to so that it seems authentic but also adhere to the musicality of the you know the rhythm of the comedy uh -huh. Uh -huh. and striking that balance is always the goal right so if you can give a direction that is not just about the cadence because if you're giving a performance that is purely just like say it like this it's probably going to fall flat because as i was saying yeah. before this podcast began good comedy timing the same line can be delivered in a funny way a thousand different ways because it's not the cadence as much as it is the thing that motivated the line mm. yeah i think that's what comedic timing is about is is uh -huh. about like getting yeah. you know it, it it still needs to be motivated mm -hmm. and and genuine like it, it can't be mathed out right the the the, the it, it'll you have to trust that if the line is motivated the way the line will come out, the you know the math checks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you can't. But you can't work in a results-oriented way. Got it. That's interesting. It reminds me of something about music. You know, same thing applies to musical phrases. There's a lot of different ways of playing the same musical phrase, very different sort of technically or acoustically, but that both capture something about the feeling or the sense of the musical phrase. There's not just one right way to play it. And somebody who's giving you instruction might say, try it this way, and aha, that might work. But that doesn't mean it's the only way it's going to work. And it might mean that even if you play it that way, you're still missing the feeling. So there's something like the feeling or the sense behind it that's more than just something you can quantify or measure about the acoustic sounds. By the way, you mentioned before, I guess you guys had been talking about maybe the relevance of AI to this. Let me just put in my anti sort of large language model sort of propaganda in here to say large language models are are operating entirely at the surface of word combinations and so they are entirely at the level of measurable statistically predictable combinations of words and that's why they lack all the content underneath them because when human beings use words just as you say they're using words and putting phrases together to get at something that they mean, you know, and feel. And that's entirely what people, I think, sometimes don't get that's missing in these algorithms that stitch words together at the lexical grammatical level only. It's, it's, I think that's, that's why they will always be fake, no matter it, how sophisticated they are. It's very yeah. frustrating to me in an acting union that is fighting against AI yeah. for yeah. visual... You know, we're, we're constantly being threatened about, like, AI is going to take your jobs away. Meanwhile, yeah. they've been saying that for years, and AI can't 
realistically have two people talking to each other. It can't even do one no. person talking. Right. You can it it's it's impressive in that it mimics what a voice sounds like and what someone the type of thing that someone might say, but the yeah. gap between that and yeah. and authentic sounding genuine like conversation between two people is so we the the technology yeah, is so exactly. far from that. And I would say that you were talking about the puppets. Yeah. I would say that you have a a better chance and it'll be this way for years of having a sock puppet <laughs> yeah. attached to a person, an actual yeah. person yeah. that yeah. is, you know, uh. controlling the sock puppet. You have a better chance of being moved by that yes. sock puppet than you yeah. do by, uh, you know, sophisticated AI. Yeah, actually, I mean, I think these large language models, chat GPT stuff pr produces kind of a linguistic trompe l'oeil. I mean, yeah, it's a kind of impressive fake, but there's no way it's replacing the original thing for the reason that, you know, these large language models don't listen. <laughs> you know, I mean, they can't kind of have a convert. They can't be in a conversation. So you're getting a surface level imitation of something as far as we can tell only human beings can do i, I I've, I've written i've written short stories where i just tell the the chat gpt uh, i have a company and i'm trying to figure out if i can hire an employee who will act just like a dog and <laughs> will run and catch a ball and run around in circles and be happy when i get home yeah. and i write these memos which are hilarious where they're like, you know, outlining to the employees that they need to behave more like dogs, um, yeah. but with no understanding that this is an outrageous thing to say, and anyone who would ask you to do that is crazy, yeah. and anyone who yeah. got such a memo would leave or call the cops or something. They don't yeah. understand any of the why, why it's wrong to ask yeah, someone yeah. at the, your job to act like a dog. The same thing applies to music. You can have these algorithms make an imitation Bach cantata or something like that. And then there are these other cases of a very simple melody somebody came up with. And it's extraordinarily sad and moving. And it's the simplest thing in the world. And it doesn't have the kind of complexity or sophistication you might expect from a computer imitation of Bach. But it's got some... Again, this is very mysterious. I don't think we understand this. Maybe we never will. Something, as it were, behind it which supports it, which makes the, it the, Yeah, the life, yeah. the the humanity. Yeah. I've got a really good yeah. question I want to ask before we wrap up, because I think we're kind of coming to the end of our time. But it's yeah. a really good question. So I want you both to get ready for it. Um, <laughs> in our lives, when are we bad actors? And what can we do about it? Like, when do we mm. take our idea of what a husband or a father or a child should be and then end up playing that intention rather than genuinely being a husband or father or a child or a friend? And what can we do about it? It's a good question, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent question. When you say bad actors, you mean like in the sense of like poor performers. Yes. That you say that guy, he's he saw a movie once about what a father is like, or he yeah. saw his father do certain things, and he's just copying it. He's not, and you know, it's not that guy. I can be like that. We can all There's be like that. There's a lot of stuff we learn from mimicry and copying. We're copying from the beginning, you know. I mean, that's that's what's going on along with learning how to do things genuinely and authentically is imitating and singing the alphabet song. And so in a way, that's what we've been doing from the outset. And if that too much of that, you're just relying on that uh, to get through the day and through your career. And, and I guess if we're fakery, copying yeah. people who are just faking it, then our sense of how to do it that's authentically so. will be yeah. screwy. 
compounded <laughs> layers and layers. I, yeah, I, I think one of the reasons uh, you're not about real life because I don't know how to be, a, 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 you know, do well in real life. Uh -huh, but uh -huh. um, one of the reasons why performances wind up failing is because actors are copying other performances uh -huh. as mm. opposed to oh, yes, it goes back yeah. to the Brando thing. He was oh, not interested right. in, in performances. Right, because uh, uh, the techniques uh, become more and more sort of artificial and reinforced cliches mm -hmm. of yeah. technique. Yeah, That's absolutely true in writing that there's a lot of people, and myself oh, yeah. on a bad day, <laughs> it was like, yeah. how do people say they I love you in a funny way? Well, let me think about some sitcoms that I liked and sort of consciously or semi-consciously copy them, and that that sucks. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah, because people are wowed by performances when they see themselves in their performances, not when they see other mm -hmm. performances in the performances. Uh -huh. Cliches. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right. But there's no escaping it. I mean, I think we sort of have to dig our way out of cliche and mimicry and fakery in order to get something authentic, to recover it somehow. But it's always going to be around the fringes. How do you do it, Kevin? Do what? Dig yourself out of cliche. In a performance? Yeah, in any case. Yeah. In, in writing and performing, I know you draw as well. Um, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to drawing, which I'm, you know, I haven't been doing as long, I've realized that there's a big difference between trying to make something look right and mm -hmm. trying to draw something that feels right. Mm -hmm. With acting, trying to get out of the cliche mm -hmm. is... I don't, I try to avoid thinking in terms of the result and how I'm going to say something on the show that you and I yeah, worked on the all the time. The My show. worst stuff was when I was saying this earlier at the table read, when there's no preconceived notion, I'm only thinking in terms of what the character wants. And then I, during the table read, I try to get that thing. And sometimes I do it and it would be guffaws. And then as the week goes on, I'm trying to get back to like, you know, mm -hmm. that first mm -hmm. rehearsal after the table read, I'm trying to say it in a way that got the guffaws and then mm -hmm. I re and that tanks. And then I spend the rest of the week trying to basically get back to the place where I'm just trying to do the the thing do the uh -huh. the the you know trying to get the thing that i wanted initially without thinking about the end result but again it's with a sitcom it's it's it is it that's where it also is an art form because there also has to be a meter to the you know a rhythm right to the language and uh like um jim parsons is a master because even though he does stuff that is ridiculous there is always a, a a truth under underneath it there's always it's always coming from a, a genuine place that i would i would actually argue that he and trump ha, have that same quality where they have an innate ability to connect what they're saying to something mm -hmm. inside them that yeah. is real even if the dialogue the script what they're saying is something that they don't believe in real life they are able to connect it to something that they are doing that is genuine. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, Parsons is hilarious not because he's faking, 
when Parsons is the most hilarious, it's because he's real ing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and same thing with Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's wow. cool. I noticed something with Parsons is that even if I had written the line, I don't remember. When I heard him say it in rehearsal, I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't remember his line. It's like, no, he's reading the line, I don't remember, which you wrote. And yet I keep thinking the actual man, Jim Parsons, <laughs> is saying, I don't remember because he doesn't remember his line. And I was like, what on earth? There, I, I, uh, I, I saw a, um, uh, a play that Al Pacino was in. And in the play, he was so in, he was so good. Um, you know, he was so in character. It looked like you were eavesdropping. It didn't look like you were watching someone act. And he said to the other character, it was in the script, he said, the other character said some fancy word. And Pacino said, what does that mean? I never knew what that meant, which was scripted. But he said it in a way that was so genuine <laughs> that the whole audience started laughing. And you can ah. tell that he realized how funny it was. And he broke character and started laughing. And the whole audience then erupted <laughs> even more and gave him an ovation. And uh-huh. he laughed. And then like he went back into character. And it was like the genie being sucked back into a bottle. And he went back into character. And it was like it never happened. Wow. And it was... Mm probably the most magical thing that i have huh. ever seen on stage <laughs> wow where where we have less than a minute on yeah. our on our zoom thing yeah. here okay what's oh, your oh, i thought this was delightful and i was thinking how can i say i thought this was delightful and not make it sound awkward but i just said it um what what do you what's your final last licks on this topic we're all acting all the time. The, the, we, if you were having this discussion right now with your mom, yes. you would be a completely different person. You'd yeah. be talking in a completely different way, the same subject matter. Every single interaction we have in life, we're, we're acting. We're just not thinking about how we're, our whole personality changes. That's interesting. Taylor, any, any last licks? All the world's a stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh. oh. it seems I like it, it ended. ended. Okay, that was a good one, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was that was fun. This podcast is created by Eric Kaplan and Taylor Carman. It's edited by me, Taylor Carman, produced by Amanda Eberhardt, and the cover art is the work of Tony Millionaire. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as Terrifying Questions.